0: is a life if we obey
1: How's everybody doing this morning? Happy New Year to you! Uh, some of the question being asked. It is January second. Just for the record, for anybody listening at later time, uh, January second, two thousand twenty-four. If you happen to find this in like twenty-three, twenty-four on a starship or something like that, just letting you know when this took place. Um, yeah, it was New Year's. Uh, I asked the question of my uh, other. My, my partner in, in what we do here, I was going to say partner in crime, uh, some countries this would be called a crime, uh, New Year's, he said, he, I slept through the ball drop, this is dawn, but the grands woke me at 1204 to wish me Happy New Year. And uh, that, that's a great part to have grandkids there wishing you Happy New Year. We had here one of the great things, uh, that I, one of the greatest ideas I think ever. Uh, okay, I am maybe uh, embellishing just slightly on saying that, but the little town of Rockport, not that far from us, had a 6 p.m. fireworks. Perfect. You know, I mean, how many years can you stay up and watch fireworks at midnight? Now, maybe I'm a New Year's Eve Scrooge bah humbug. It's like when you've seen a few fireworks, you've seen them all. And it's like, I mean, how much... I mean, unless you're in a, unless it's like just over the top, amazing, and fireworks are good to see. But I will tell you this I took my wife to the fireworks down in Rockport and we went to one of the food wagons that they had there and got little pot pies that we had and uh, stood there and watched the fireworks at 6 p.m. And the look on her face, she looked like a little girl in wonder and it just blessed my soul to uh to to look at her face as she was watching the fireworks then we went home and uh, i would say probably i had to go to the hospital because uh, uh, of an accident that had occurred for a whole family and i went and, and uh, checked in on that family came home but i would say we were probably in bed at eight thirty, yeah uh, i slept through the ball drop too and uh That's okay. Guess what? I woke up the next morning, and it was 2024. (laughs) Yeah, it was good. So uh, anyway, uh, that's not why we tune in. I just hope you had a a good Christmas season, a good New Year season. Uh, Yesterday, we ate um, sauerkraut with kibasi and riced cauliflower. Uh, Usually, it was potatoes, but I stepped away from the potatoes this year, made the decision, okay, yesterday was it. Now we're back into... Trying to get back on top of our health again, and uh, after a a half year or several months of of some things just not quite being what they need to be, uh, and just let eating whatever uh, decided now we're going to go back and just and get back into diet mode. Here Uh, we need to diet, health mode, that type of thing. So hopefully for you, I mean, New Year's resolutions often if they make it to Tuesday morning, you know you're doing pretty good. Tuesday morning being January 2nd, you're doing pretty good. You know, you might make it a week, you're doing pretty good. Uh, and interestingly, in some ways, the character we're talking about this morning, John the Baptist, is really a good New Year's, uh, jumping in point, uh, in many ways, because he calls the people to repentance. Now, we're gonna look this morning, obviously, at John the Baptist part two. We talked about him last week. Uh, I, I do want to look at some of the, uh, some of the notes uh, about John the Baptist, uh, things I've, I've noted over here, and uh, read to you some of those notes, because it is significant. He called the people to new life, just like New Year's. I mean, it's a chance for new life in what John the Baptist was doing uh, that we'll read. We're not even, I'm kind of ahead of myself at this point, but but in calling people to repentance, he was calling them to a fresh start. He was calling them to repentance and baptism. It's a fresh start. You know, New Year's for us is a time of fresh starts. And, you know, sometimes we poo-poo those and go, well, New Year's, Smoo years who needs it, you know, and we all make resolutions. We don't keep them anyway. You know, all it did is it changed the, the calendar date. That's all that happened. You know, now that is really Scroogish there. If, if you know, a New Year's a New year's Scrooge, that would be it, Um but we do need times to reset. We do need times to recalibrate. And those of you have been listening to me for a while now know that I look at the Jewish holidays and Jewish holidays provide one of those times uh, for a reset. And, uh, or not just one, but numerous times throughout the year, uh, or even a Christian calendar. They, they provide opportunities for reset. We need them, do we not? Uh, we find ourselves falling off the diet wagon, or we find ourselves falling off the, uh, you know, I'm not going to use naughty words uh, wagon, or we find ourselves uh, falling off the, I'm going to be nice to people wagon, or whatever your wagon might be, you know, we find ourselves falling off. I'm going to have my devotions every day wagon, whatever it might be, and we fall off. And so opportunities to reset are a good thing. Now, let me get into John the Baptist. We talked about him last week. We talked about the fact that John's probably the most, I probably I might not have even said this, but John comes along at the same time as Jesus. And we're looking at that. We're looking at it. before his birth. We're looking at the announcement of his birth. And I want to pick up in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. At this point, Elizabeth is pregnant. Mary is pregnant. Mary goes to see Elizabeth. Uh and so I'm gonna pick up in Luke chapter one and verse thirty-nine uh and then I've just got a whole bunch to share with you. If we get through it today, great. If we don't, we'll bleed in tomorrow. It says, uh at that time Mary got ready and hurried down to a, the town in the hill country of Judea. Now this is after the announcement and and after she knows she's pregnant with Jesus, okay? It says, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now remember, Elizabeth and Zechariah are well, along in years. Mary is a teenager. It says, when Mary heard Mary's, and that was normal in those days, just for the record. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the, that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. The baby leaping for joy. Now, here's one of the things you wonder about. How do we know this? I mean, it's written in a book, but how do we know? I mean, is this, is this some... A fanciful writing, uh, like you have these people that write all these books that turn into movies, Harry Potter, uh, Lord of the Rings, so on and so forth, Uh, Agatha Christie movies, so on. You you get what I'm saying. Uh, How do we know? Well, because oral tradition. Uh, Mary likely told Jesus about this experience. Uh, because you got to remember, folks, they didn't have books like we have today. They didn't have podcasts like we have today. They didn't have news outlets like we have today. Much was passed on through oral tradition, and it is likely that that both Mary passed uh, passed us on to Jesus, and Elizabeth passed on to John this occurrence, and then they passed it on, and likely Jesus passed it on to the disciples. Uh, who were informed, Luke dug this out, Luke rooted this out, uh, and, and maybe he even got it from Mary herself, a first-hand experience, uh, from, uh, in first person, from Mary herself, what happened. Because uh, by the time Luke came along, uh, Elizabeth is probably long gone to heaven. The hill country... The exclamation, the question why, blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Uh, the the Holy Spirit filling the baby in the womb, that says something about the, the, the significance of the womb and the significance of the baby in the womb, uh, that, that it is a baby, it is a child, it isn't a blob of flesh until it breathes air outside the womb, it is a baby. Uh, this is a, a biblical substantiation for why we stand against uh, abortion uh, as willy-nilly as abortion has become in America. Uh, this whole encounter, this whole experience of of John the Baptist and what takes place here in the womb. That launched Mary into her Magnificat that is then recorded in the next several verses where where Mary praises the Lord. And we come down to verse uh, 57, and we read, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Now remember, Zechariah is is mute. He can't speak. He, He didn't believe the angel who was making this proclamation to him, and so he was barred from speaking until the birth of the baby. So when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son, her neighbors and relatives heard what the, that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. That's a Bible word, joy. It says, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. That was Jewish custom, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like the name to be. And when asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Now, there's, some have made uh, something of the nuance of difference between verse 60 and verse 63. Uh, Elizabeth saying, "His no, he is to be called John. And then the definitiveness with which... Uh, Zechariah responds in verse 63, his name is John. It is John. It's not, he will be called, he is John. It says, immediately his mouth was open, his tongue was loosed, he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, when is this child, uh, what then is this child going to be? For the lord's hand was with him. Now Zechariah will will launch into prophecy and I will get to that uh, in just a moment. I want to talk for just just a second about you know there were several hundred years where there hadn't been a whole lot of miraculous things that had happened. Um we we sometimes want to make big miracles a daily occurrence. There, there are lots of little miracles that happen. There are answers to prayer that happen. There are things like that that happen on on a regular basis that we need to see and praise God for. But things of this magnitude are are not the steady fair. Now, some have a theological position that no, this should be the steady fair. No, what what made it what made it so phenomenal was the fact that that this wasn't just normal everyday occurrences. This was a significant, uh, monumental uh, miracle that took place. Now, I do believe God still does miracles. I believe along the way that God does monumental miracles still in places where the gospel needs to be established. Um, But what made it so incredible for the people is that they hadn't seen something like this in a in a very 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 long time. In fact, those alive maybe had never even seen something like this happen at all, and so uh, they marveled. And it said in verse sixty six, everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, "What then is this child going to be? The significance of the birth, the aged parents, all of that." Now Zechariah speaks, uh, and we see this. It says his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of a servant, David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Now, here's an interesting thing. People think he's talking about John. He's not talking about John. He's actually talking about Jesus um, because Jesus is the horn of salvation. Uh Jesus is the one who will redeem his people. Uh, Zechariah knows this. Zechariah is prophesying under the leading and direction of the Holy Spirit uh, in saying what he is saying here. And again, this is this prophecy is significant prophecy, uh, salvation prophecy. Uh and sometimes we, we want to see daily prophecies uh and Really, when you look at the whole, the Bible, uh, daily prophecies were not the norm. That's what made the prophecies that were given so significant because they weren't normal. They, they, they were the exception, not the rule. And so we see Zechariah standing, prophesying, uh, and saying what he is saying to the people. Back to verse 69, says, He has raised up a horde of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through the holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Now the people that are hearing this are thinking deliverance from Rome, okay, just, just put that in your memory bank, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, now that is Twice, verse 71 it talks about it, verse 74 talks about it, and to enable us to serve him without fear. Now, that's a significant statement. It isn't just the idea of being freed from our enemies, but is being freed to serve God. And we were set free. We were set free why? <clears throat> we, were, we were set free not just for our own deliverance only, but we were set free that we might serve God. That was verse 74, and to serve without fear. And then he goes on in verse 75 and says, without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days, to to serve him without fear, to serve him in holiness, to serve him in righteousness all our days. Now, he turns and he's looking at Zechariah. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the most high for you will go on before the lord to prepare a way for him to give his people a knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins now verse 76 you will go on to uh, go on before the lord the lord is jesus zechariah is aware of this now he doesn't clarify this but he's aware of this jesus hasn't been born yet Verse 77, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of the sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. And you could put S-O-N in there as well as S-U-N because it is the rising sun of God who will come from heaven. To shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And it says of John, it's very interesting parallel between John and Jesus. It says, "The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel." Now, again, very interesting uh, parallel between Jesus here, uh, and, uh, between John here and Jesus, because over in chapter two, down at verse, I believe it is fifty-two. We are going to read this about Jesus. Let me put this up here. Uh, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men. Would we grow in stature with, in favor with God and men? Would that be us? Oh, that it would be us growing like both of these men following after the Lord. Now, they were uniquely anointed. Uh, Jesus uh, being the Son of God and the Son of Man, uh, and John being uniquely chosen, uh, uniquely brought to this earth through parents who were past their prime, uh, and he would be the forerunner to the Lord Jesus. Now, let me take us back over uh, up higher in chapter 2 of the book of Luke Uh, We, just to highlight again, we already read about the birth of Jesus uh, during the Christmas season, and this broadcast is taking place uh, on January 2nd, so we covered many of these things in the Christmas season. Uh, We saw the birth of Jesus, we saw the shepherd and the angels, we saw Jesus presented at the temple, we considered um, Simeon and Anna in the temple uh, we considered their their return to Nazareth. We will come back to Jesus in the temple. Uh, that will be something we will come back to. But this week, my focus, I'm trying to keep us on John. Now, it says this. It gives this record. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, now this gives us a historical marker. It says when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod had formerly been the uh, governor of Judea, uh, Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of Iturea and uh, Trachonitis, uh, and Lysanias uh, Tetrarch of Abilene. That's not that's not Texas. Uh, during the priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to. John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. Now, again, all these names give us historical record. You you can go back there. There there are markers, historical markers that will would give you uh, insight into when this all took place. So there are things outside the Bible giving uh, legitimacy to when these things took place. You you can find who the who the governors were. Uh, Sometimes they were called kings. Sometimes they were called governors, but they were overseeing regions all under Caesar. Uh, It it says Tiberius Caesar, the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Uh, And it says this, uh, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the desert. It says he went out into the hill country, uh, into all the country around Jordan, preaching a baptism, repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I'm going to stop there. This ties us into New Year's a little bit in the sense of he was preaching repentance, turn from your sins, be baptized, uh, live a new life. For them, their new life was a moral life. Live, live righteously. Live the way that you're supposed to live. Live before God. In many ways, I mean, we would have the same message today. Live as you're supposed to live before God and uh, do the things that God wants you to do. Uh, as Christians, we should do that. Now, I often will speak about our relationship with Jesus being the the first and most important aspect, and I do think that's true. Sometimes we put the focus on our morality ahead of our spirituality, and and I'm the one, the type that says, let's put our focus on our spirituality, and if we walk with God, our morality will fall into place. Now, I, I do want to look at some notes about John the Baptist, so I'm going to go into some notes that I've written. Some of this is from Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Theology, uh, where some scholars say, apart from Jesus Christ, John the Baptist is probably the most theologically significant figure in the Gospels. uh, As was the case with Jesus, his birth was meticulously recorded, and it was meticulously recorded. We just read about it. His entrance into this world was marked by an angelic proclamation and by divine intervention both. John's birth not only parallels that of Jesus, but echoes the momentous occasion of the birth of Isaac to Abraham and Sarah. Remember, Abraham and Sarah were well along in their years, and they gave birth to Isaac in the same way Zechariah and Elizabeth were well along in their years giving birth to John. John is a pivotal figure in the salvation history that God is unfolding. Now, it says, although his formative years were lived in obscurity in the desert, as we just read in Luke 180, his public ministry ended nearly 400 years of prophetic silence. John was the voice of the one in the wilderness crying out, prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And you can go back to uh, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3 and read that, and then you see in Matthew 3, 3, Mark 1, 2, and 3, and then Luke 3, 3 through 6, this, John, is the fulfillment of what is read in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Uh, In this sense, his message and ministry marked the culmination of the law and the prophets. Uh, He heralded the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, He was a transitional figure between the Old Testament era, the Old Covenant, and between the New Covenant. He formed a link between those two Testaments. He spans the ages with one foot firmly planted in the Old Testament and the other foot squarely planted in the New Testament. I've already mentioned this, but I'll say it again. The central theme of his ministry was this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He was called the Baptist. Why? Not because he was Southern Baptist or North American Baptist or American Baptist or any other Baptist. He was the baptizer. He baptized those who responded to his message. He was an end times prophet. He conducted his ministry with with, uh, an eschatological, that's end times authority that demanded immediate action. He taught that judgment is at hand. He said the, the axe is laid at the roots and God is, is going to purge his threshing floor. Read that. We'll look at that tomorrow. It says the authenticity of repentance was evidenced in very practical terms. John's lifestyle was a, was a steer. Uh, he, was, uh, he, he was an ascetic living in the wilderness. He was clothed in cla- uh, camel hair. He subsisted on locusts and wild honey, and unlike Jesus, he expected people to come to him rather than going to them. He was not a crowd pleaser. He willingly confronted the hypocrisy of religious of the religious people. He did not hesitate to expose the immorality of Herod, and he died a martyr's death as a result. Uh, all these characteristics portray John as a fiery prophet uh, proclaiming an uh, Uh, the message of God, apocalyptic message of God. Indeed, Luke says that John came in the spirit and power of Elijah. He goes on to allude to Malachi four three, which states that Elijah, he being Jesus, that Elijah will return before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. In fact, some contemporaries of John inquired if he was Elijah. We'll look at that in John chapter 1. Says the uh, the belief that uh, Elijah would return and prepare the way of the Lord can be traced to Malachi 3 1 and Malachi 4 5. Such belief is also found in some of the extra biblical accounts that, that are out there. The Gospels indicate that many believed Elijah would come first and then the Christ. While John fat, flatly denied he was Elijah incarnated, and, and he was not incarnated, he was a type of Elijah. Nevertheless, Jesus affirmed that Elijah must come first. That he had come in the person of John as a type. John fulfilled Malachi's prophecy in a prophecy in a spiritual sense rather than in a literal way. Uh, he he just had such a, a a central role, but he was merely human. That's all he was. He he was he was subordinate to Jesus. He denied that he was the Christ. He he emphasized and pointed out who the Lamb of God was. Uh, When Jesus came to be baptized, he did not want to baptize him, but rather desired to be baptized by him. And he allowed his disciples to leave following after himself and rather instead follow after Jesus. He was a witness, serving as a uh, transitional figure. The impact of his life and ministry should not be uh, underestimated. During his lifetime, he had a following of disciples who shared common practices such as fasting and prayer. His disciples survived his death and spread throughout the Mediterranean world in the Diaspora. Apollos was from Alexandria, North Africa, uh, and at one point knew only the baptism of John. We read about that in Acts chapter 18. Similarly, upon arriving in Ephesus, Paul encountered a dozen disciples of John in Ephesus, they, too, had only experienced the baptism of John. Uh, these instance, instances indicate that the, the Baptist movement may have had more influence than what we were able to glean from the New Testament, uh, from the Gospels themselves. So uh, there's just some significance that, that I uh, that I, I, I share with us about John the Baptist. He's a great theological importance in the New Testament. He ended the 400 years of prophetic silent, paved, the silence, pray, paved the way for the Messiah, and the spirit of Elijah preached the message of repentance and baptism. His darkest, In his darkest hour, question of Jesus was the one who was to come or whether there would be another. He inaugurated a spiritual movement that had influence long after his death and extended throughout the Mediterranean world. John, significant, significant figure. And why do I talk about John? Because he is here. Uh, in in the book of Luke uh, and uh, tomorrow we'll pick up in Luke chapter three and we'll transition from John the Baptist into Jesus now I'm not Jesus you're not Jesus but in our own way could we could we be like John could we have could we have uh, an impact to those around us and we should Absolutely, we should have those around us um, who are impacted by our lives. We should be those that, that live as a living witness for Christ. That, that's the call of the Christian life. Um, I just want to comment on a few of the comments here. Uh because there are some great comments that, that I want to just highlight here, uh, one, God is calling us to step up and do His work absolutely. I agree with that to allow him to use us absolutely. each one of us has a job to do for the kingdom, even on q m two perhaps God has work for you to do on q m two and you know you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about our dear dear sister Priscilla as uh, I, I think they're preparing to head out to on their trip. Uh, yeah. And Priscilla just commenting on John. And this was several minutes ago that Priscilla posted. This is thinking what a blessing it is. that This nugget has been passed down all these years. And again, it was originally oral tradition. Um, and we do have daily prophecy and his name is Jesus. Uh, we have daily prophecy. It's the word of God. And, uh, you know, we should start with the Word of God, look to the Word of God, the instruction that the Word of God has for us. Uh, first, and the first and foremost, uh, yesterday I, I found myself all wrapped up in a uh, study of Asaph. Any of you know who Asaph is? Asaph is one of the writers of many of the Psalms. Well, who is this guy? So I, I spent some time gleaning who is Asaph, and it had a direct impact on my life in terms of my worship life. And Asaph was a guy who lived in a time when things weren't good. So when you understand some of the challenges of what he writes in like chapters seventy nine and beyond in the Book of Psalms, um, we we're, we're challenged because he he deals with here is the truth and here is my experience, and the two don't seem to line up. What do I do with it? I praise God and. and there's so much in, in the Bible uh, prophecy that we have uh, to, to listen to, to apply to our lives. Uh, and God can lift off the page of the holy writ and not change it, but kind of smack us in the face with it sometimes and uh, uh, challenge us how we ought them to live. Well, our friends, Steve and Priscilla, will be heading off on their cruise. I, I believe that's the case. And so we, we pray for them. I say, I believe it's the case. That, that's the plan. The plan is to, to head out on the cruise, and uh, Lord, we do pray for our, our dear brother and sister Steve and Priscilla as they as they prepare to embark on this uh, wonderful trip. Lord, we pray you maintain their health. We pray that you make our every connection of flights and all that has to happen happen, uh, and that they would have just an absolutely delightful time uh, on this trip. and And I pray that you'd use them that uh, perhaps on this trip that you would use them to lead some people to faith in Jesus or to be of encouragement to other believers who were on that ship with them. So, Lord, bless them. Bless all of us today with, with, with an appreciation for the prophecy of your word. Uh, bless all of us, Lord, with an, a sense of appreciation for what we can glean from John the Baptist uh, and uh, even today to, to think about living the kingdom life. Lord, help us to live for you today to bring you honor and glory. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, have a great time. Have a great day. We will see
0: you later.